0: hello friends and welcome to season 2 of Story Central. We are so glad that you joined us on this journey as we go around the region and hear how God is moving on every corner of every campus. This week, I'm joined by Megan Cook, who is an InterVarsity alum as well as a church planter in the Des Moines area. We talked about tutoring elementary school kids. We talked about how InterVarsity prepared her for church planting. We talked about all the ways that the church is more than just a Sunday service. This one's a long one, but I promise you it is worth it. I'm so excited for you to hear Megan's story. Okay, let's get to it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If you could just start uh, for our listeners, who are you?
1: (laughs) That is such a deep question, (laughs) but I'll answer simply. My name is Megan Cook. I am a pastor at Table Church in Des Moines, Iowa.
0: Wonderful. So uh, tell me a little bit about Table Church.
1: So Table Church is about two years old. Uh, my family and I moved to Des Moines from Sioux Falls, South Dakota uh, uh, two years ago, spring 2019. And then um, we are we planted Table Church with some of our best friends, Phil and Natalie Wiseman. We had worked together at a church called The Ransom for... Years, I think, um, goodness, 10 years. So, uh, we all moved here together. Phil's our lead pastor, I'm our discipleship pastor. Um, we launched Table Church in October 2019, and we all know it happened. You know
0: yeah a few things right a few things, <laughs> few things that,
1: happen. yeah so we joke that it's probably the best and worst time to plant a church so mm-hmm. there are many things about it that are really just terrible and many things that have been incredible about this season so it's both
0: <laughs> yeah I, so I would I would love to dive in so two questions that immediately come to mind for me one is uh, when you say discipleship pastor, Kind of what does that what does that entail? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second question is, yeah. So planting a church in yeah. the middle of or just as this whole COVID thing is is going down, like what were some of the adjustments that you had to make? I'm sure like, <laughs> planting a church, nothing ever goes as you expect it to go. No, but I'd have to imagine that there were some adjustments that you guys had to make in terms of like yeah. how you're doing outreach and adjustments and those sorts of things. I'd love for you just to like, <laughs> yeah, how are those? So-
1: So first of all, discipleship is something that I have been into for years. And so um, I I have said for years um, and tried to live this way that discipleship is apprenticeship to Jesus. And so um, Table Church itself exists to invite people to the way of Jesus here in the heart of Des Moines. And so that is what we're here to do. And so when I say I'm a discipleship pastor, really everything that I do is driven toward you know, collaborating with everyone else on our incredible team to create a culture of discipleship in our community. Uh, And so, you know, that means that from, it's, I'll often say like discipleship isn't learning about Jesus, it's learning from Jesus. And so we are here to know Jesus, to interact with him, walk and talk with him all day long. Um, and that is going to affect every area of our lives. And so a lot of what I do is just creating opportunities for our culture to grow in that intimate interaction back and forth with Jesus and with other people. So that's what I do in a nutshell. (laughs) And I'm a church planner. So that means I also do every other manner of kind of thing, um, to make it happen, you know? So have I been up until 2am like tying bows? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> it's not all it's not all yeah. you know but who
0: among us hasn't
1: um, yeah, <laughs> and so it's been great though. And Phil and I have this thing uh, that we created at our last church, the Ransom, actually, before we knew we were going to leave and plant table church. We created this thing called a Discipleship Pathway. You've probably maybe heard about Discipleship Pathways before. It's just uh, a simple, organized set of practices, experiences, um, that you take together with another person to grow together with Jesus. So that's all it is. But, um, anyway, so we do a lot with that. Um, even across the country, a lot of people use that. And so that's been really fun. It's just really cool to have a picture of how Jesus is moving all over the place. In fact, I think more people even use that pathway in Australia and Canada than in America. So it's pretty crazy. Um, So yeah, I talk to Aussies. Sometimes they email me really late at night, uh, which is a different time of day for them, but Anyway, uh, so there's all of that. Then, as far as oh, the year that shall not be named, I would say <laughs> I remember there was a time, it was March 2020, when everyone in Des Moines was starting like the chatter around like the churches was like, are we really going to have to stop meeting? Like, no, that's impossible. Like we Mm. never, that would never happen. Um, and so there was like that one week where everything really hit home and everybody knew we were going to have to shut down for that weekend. And I remember it being just unimaginable, just unimaginable (laughs) that this was going to happen. And, um, actually I remember that week, the last person who was in my house, who wasn't a member of my immediate family was Amy Becker. <laughs> and so, um, she uh, She's a neighbor of mine. And so Amy had come over just to chat and hang out. And it was the week that Drake was going to like move online and things like that. And everybody was figuring things out. And I remember just being like, is this the apocalypse?
0: <laughs>
1: what is happening? And so anyway, Uh, we made a fast turnaround. So we waited until the last minute to cancel services in person. Uh, And it meant that Phil and I were up until like three in the morning on a very early Sunday morning, creating a video service experience Mm -hmm. for people for the next day, because really none of the churches in Des Moines knew exactly what to do until the last minute. So, And so anyway, we had that initial adjustment, which honestly we had... Phil and I had done a lot of recorded messages and things like that at our last church. So it was kind of old hat, but also it was like very busy kind of like after someone dies and it's like incredibly busy with stuff to do. And then eventually it will hit you like what you've lost, you know, you just have all this time to think about it. And so I would say the first couple of weeks were just like they were for anybody in ministry or anything else, just insanity of trying to get things done and then I remember the first Sunday, though, after that busy one, that second Sunday where we got together online, I sat on my porch and we did online service and I just cried.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was just so sad um, and uh, probably cried for the next consecutive six or eight Sundays sitting on my porch you know listening to service and chatting with people online but it did become kind of normal we did drive-in services uh we did a lot of stuff to try to be present with people so like that first easter that we couldn't get together we did these like um COVID-friendly Easter baskets full of really fun things. And then like on Easter Sunday, we had the online service going, but we had a team of all of our staff and semester people driving around to every single uh, you know, household in our church and delivering this Easter basket oh, at wow. their ding dong dash. So like during Easter morning service, we were going all over the Metro dropping off these Easter baskets. And that was really fun. It was really fun. And then, you know, for Christmas, we're still not meeting in person. And so we did these like advent calendars and we gave like care packages to all the households in our church that we actually sent in the mail it was so much fun we did like everybody got a pair of Christmas socks and we did like an advent calendar that you could hang up one thing every day um, and kind of follow along with the church so we did all of that sort of stuff uh just to try to be present with people in some way um so yeah, that's uh that's kind of the the basic stuff we did. Other than that, just a lot of human interaction, like right? trying to get together, mm. chat with people, keep in touch. Um but obviously it was a time where our church was very new. And so we were we were we had barely had a chance to begin really settling in. As just a, a church with an identity and a community before this all happened, but somewhere in the middle, uh, you know, along the way, uh, we've gotten to a really beautiful place. So um, we're remarkably thankful for the COVID time. <laughs> I guess it was absolutely horrible. There are days that we had this absolute crushing losses. Um, And obviously that's not all even just COVID related. That's with everything happening in the country, everything happening politically. Um, There were just so many things in this season that have been incredibly crushing and also incredibly good. And so at the tail end of COVID, which (laughs) we're still in it, right? (laughs) But um, this last winter, We actually ended up coming into contact with um, the owner of a building in Sherman Hill in Des Moines. Uh, And long story short, it's a $300,000 building um, in a really incredible location right across from a school um, where, so I guess I'm skipping a beat. We started a tutoring program during COVID for neighborhood kids just because here in Side of the city, a whole lot of kids were without internet access. Mm-hmm. Have parents who could help them sit at the computer all day. They just were really getting lost in the system. And so we started an in person tutoring program for kids in our neighborhood during COVID uh, and got to partner with another church in town to do that too. Um, and that's been really incredible. And so we, um, As we got that going, it kind of needed a home, like during the week, we couldn't just stay where we were before we needed to figure it out if it was going to grow. And so this building, um, you know, was put on the table. It's uh, right across the street from Edmonds Elementary, which is actually where all of our kids who come to tutoring go to school. Mm. And so um, it was kind of perfect, Uh, but it was $300,000. And like I said, we were a brand new church and it's been COVID. I mean, nothing about this, uh, you know, drips money, right? So we were like, well, this is just like, who knows what's going to happen. But very long story short, it was a $300,000 building. We checked with a lot of leadership in our denomination and and, uh, things like that. And they decided, yes, like by faith, go for it. So we ended up putting it under contract and um, under the terms that we had a closing date. And if we were able to raise a hundred thousand dollars in cash um, by the time that we got to our closing date, we had two separate donors that were going to give us a hundred thousand dollars. And we ended up, we had, I think maybe three months to raise the money. We raised over a hundred thousand dollars, hundred and twenty thousand dollars in four weeks. Um, and uh, which was a miracle. Uh, and um, a lot of that was just small donations, people we do and don't know. Um, we're only a church of about a hundred people, so it was pretty amazing. <laughs> um, uh, and then we got the other two hundred thousand dollars in matching grants, and uh, the building we paid cash for it. So wow. Yeah. So Rise Up Tutoring is going to be starting here at our new ministry center um, this fall, just in a couple of weeks. So they're doing a training today. All the tutors are coming and getting ready to go. And so it's just really exciting. It's really cool. We're partnered with Cottage Grove Church, and then there's a few other churches in the city that are most likely going to be partnering with us in some way, too, to provide tutors and things like that. So it is just a really cool you know, communal event. (laughs) And so um, the teachers at Edmonds have just been incredible. They're so supportive. Uh, One of them is coming today to help with the training. Um, And so just getting to partner with other churches in Des Moines too has just been absolutely awesome because this just never happens. There's been a few things that happened during COVID where we were able to kind of band up with other churches. Uh, it's really rare for that to happen in Des Moines. This does not happen very often. And so there's that, the tutoring thing. If um, anyone's listening who is in the Des Moines area, you can go to riseupdsm.org to get information about tutoring. If you're into that, we would love to have you because we are only limited by the number of tutors that we have. So we have a child for every tutor if you're game.
0: <laughs> That's, that sounds good. That sounds good. If you're in the Des Moines area, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely sign up. I, I love I just that story and just planting churches. And I love how even what you're talking about discipleship, I, I wrote that down, is that discipleship is it's apprenticeship to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right, And we think about even just that story of all the church planting and COVID and how much of that is a, well, what's important to Jesus? It's community. It's being Mm -hmm. together. It's also like meeting needs, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just the abstract. It's the meeting of, okay, there are students, there are kids who don't have internet and they need help with schooling. And so we're going to provide that. And then the ways then, because you're faithful in those things and kind of apprenticing to Jesus or apprenticeship to Jesus, you get to see God show up in really cool ways, like raising $120,000 in four weeks and paying cash for a $300,000 home and like, or or for a $300,000 tutoring center and those sorts of things. Like, that's just so cool to see how that really is. Like it's discipleship at its finest, right? It's going out and it's not just, I mean, it's being with people and also filling needs and seeing and and stepping out of faith and all those things. So that's a, that's that's an amazing story.
1: You like you, in living life with Jesus, so much of the everyday stuff is just so difficult day to day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when you look back, you're like, wow, <laughs> there's yeah. like so many <laughs> incredible things that happen. It's like day to day, you have this like abiding joy as you go through a lot of really difficult or ordinary or hurtful or confusing experiences. But then on the whole, you're like, wow. This is incredible. Always worth it. And I think like you said something that uh, reminded me of this, like at the beginning of COVID, I know there were a lot of people, I don't know who I'm going to trigger by saying this, but I know that there were a lot of people in the church who, not in our church specifically necessarily, um, but a lot of people in the church who were saying like, you know, don't live by fear, live by faith. Like we're going to keep meeting. The church shouldn't stop because the government says that there's this thing happening or whatever. Again, I'm sorry if I've now just like triggered, (laughs) I think I'm okay. Um, uh, but as that started, that backlash came in and there were some people from our church that felt the same way that they were just like completely sidelined by the idea that we would stop meeting in person. Um, and so, It occurred to Phil and I that we had never thought of it that way. Like when we couldn't meet in person, of course, functionally, that was very difficult. And of course, it caused a lot of things to have to go into play. And uh, the Sunday gathering, like the weekly gathering together is so important. It's essential. Um, But also, it's not essential to the church. Like you can, you're still the church. (laughs) And so it occurred to us, there were so many people who were saying, we're just so disgusted at the idea that you would stop meeting, you know, the church should never stop. And it occurred to us like, Oh, we never thought the church stopped. Like we, we, I remember at the beginning of COVID Phil and I just saying over and over, I'm so thankful. Nothing important gets taken away. (laughs) so you know nothing nothing of the best things that we are and do as as Jesus followers in this city gets taken away by not meeting on Sundays does it make it difficult and you have to get creative about how you meet people how you take care of people's needs how you know that they have needs how you stay in connection sure but you can still do all those things and, you know, all of that. And so it was just like this, this time to really take a gut check of the different cultures in church and the people who feel like churches an institution. And mm-hmm. you'd say that for chapters too, right? People who think that it's just about having something to do on a Thursday night. And then people who are like, Oh, well, university is, you know, these people <laughs> who are in yeah. my life. You know, and when I look back at anything that I ever did in university in, in college or afterwards as staff, um I never think about the actual gathering. I think about like the people. It's the individual people and all the stories you have as you have an interconnected life together. That's what it is. And COVID didn't take that away, but it sure did make a lot of other things really complicated.
0: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I, I love. I that's that's such an interesting way of of phrasing that is that like Sunday service was taken away, oh. but the church wasn't taken. Away. And that's yep. just, as, and, and the, the church can't be taken away as long as it's around this idea of community and coming together in the name of Jesus. And again, like doing the things that Jesus would, would do. Now you, you mentioned that some of that stuff is stuff that you learned in InterVarsity or InterVarsity shaped, uh, mm-hmm. shaped how you think about some of those things. You were, or part, you mentioned you're part of a chapter and was staff also for a little bit. Yeah. We'd just love to hear um, how did you get connected to InterVarsity?
1: Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I transferred to South Dakota state university in Brookings, South Dakota, when I was a sophomore in college. And when I did that, I had a friend who had been there for a year already who had been going to university Bible studies. And so, um, I went along with her, um, got connected before classes had even started. I was going to university Bible studies. <laughs> and so, um, You know, I can remember like the day I moved in, I think I was sitting on the grass outside in a circle of people with a Bible. (laughs) So like it was that fast. And then I never really looked back. So I just got really involved right away. Um, That was my sophomore year of college. So I was 19. Um, uh, That fall I met the man who would become my husband. So he, um, his name's Jim. Uh, I met Jim at an university party, <laughs> and so we just have some really thick IV roots. And so eventually, like as we, you know, became upperclassmen, we um, he was the president of our chapter, and I was our evangelism coordinator. So university was just life. It was just what we did. Um, you know, we had. I remember. Like some of the best times, like we went to Urbana 2000, so that will date us appropriately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, we were at Urbana 2000 together, and I remember we weren't dating yet. We kind of had just become good friends, but um, we're just getting to know each other. But there was a moment at Urbana 2000 where um, I remember. Uh, So, George Verwer had this, like, big globe, if you've, like, looked at vintage, uh, you know, Urbana footage, like, the huge, like, blow-up globe, Mm -hmm. and he was talking about just, like, uh, you know, like, the world, you're in it, (laughs) basically, (laughs) Like, like for, for college students, you do kind of have to have a moment where you realize like the whole world exists and you are not the whole world. Right. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so I remember that really vividly. And then I remember the next day, uh, there was a guy, I cannot remember, I think it's Jason, his last name is a but anyway, he had, um, he had this statement that he said, he said, uh, you know, this challenge, give up your small ambitions and embrace God's heart for the world. And I just remember that moment, everything shifted. It was like, whatever my life was, it was like demolished down to like the most essential thing. And then built up from there afterward. And so um, I had been a Christian since I was a junior in high school, you know, just for a few years. I grew up in a really religious Catholic home, but I got saved in high school. Um, And so anyway, I just, I remember that moment in particular, just completely demolish me in the best way. <laughs> and and later on at Urbana, they do like the moment of commissioning at the end, you know, and anyone who feels called to lifetime mission um, can stand up for prayer. And then whoever's standing around you will lay hands on you. And this was when Urbana was still actually at Urbana. So mm-hmm. we're, you know, in that. So, I remember Jim who I'm now married to was sitting behind me. And so when I stood up, he was like the first person who put his hand on my shoulder um, as I prayed that prayer. And boy, we didn't know what that was getting us into, (laughs) 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 but, but um, Oh my goodness. It has been a good ride. So uh, anyway, we're about to celebrate our 20th anniversary this next year. So, Um, but anyway, so uh, yeah, after that i <laughs> i will say um, so we 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 were class of 03 at south dakota state university a couple years after that uh, we got an opportunity to go to the south dakota school of mines and technology it's an engineering school in rapid city south dakota my husband's an engineer and so we had an opportunity to go there as volunteer staff so jim could keep his job and our you know our income <laughs> and we had already had two kids by then. So, um, and so um, we were able to kind of move relatively easily because Jim could keep his job. And so we moved to Rapid City. We were with that chapter for a few years while Rick Demarest, who had been the staff for a very long time, uh, went to um, work on a reservation for a few years. Uh, And so that was an incredible experience. Absolutely loved it. And then after that, we moved to Sioux Falls, South Dakota and helped plant a church in 2009. So, um, as far as, <laughs> as far as university goes, I have never stopped being thankful for the time that I had, um, in college, the time that we got to spend with our students as staff, um, it has been just some of the most rich, incredible experiences of our life. And I, I now, as a pastor, I have been to seminary. I have the Masters of Divinity. I have been in seminary with pastors from all over the country and even the world. Um, and there are things that Intervarsity gave me as a young person, you know, 1920, 21 years old, that served me so well throughout my faith journey. And so particularly inductive Bible study, manuscript study. Mm-hmm. Under like, so I started out, I grew up Catholic, very seriously Catholic, but never reading the Bible. Um, and, uh, then when I got saved, had just barely started to like dip my toe into like nineties youth culture (laughs) for, you know, like the, all the things. Um, but so I was like really into my Bible, but didn't really understand it. And then when I was a sophomore, you know, from that very first day that I was on campus, you know, I was being taught to like open my Bible, understand, uh, where this chapter in the Bible is located in the Bible, in the book that it's in and what that's about and who it's to and all of that. Um, and so, that just gave me such an incredible foundation. And I know when I went to chapter camp, do you still call it chapter camp?
0: <laughs> some, some, some folk call it chapter camp. Other, yeah. other, other okay. people call it different things, but yeah. Okay.
1: so Whatever the big camp is that everybody goes to. Yep.
0: At the end of the year. I went right?
1: to those, mm-hmm. yes. And even the ones that were like mid-year, um, I would always choose the inductive study manuscript you know, track. So I would always be the one who was there, like, with my, like, study Bible and all my, like, highlighters.
0: The colored pencils, like the whole, the whole, you know, the whole box full of colored pencils. And And
1: so, yes, I was like, let's bring it on. And so I, I just loved manuscript study. And I was an English literature major in college too. So like it, maybe some of it came naturally to me, but also I just was like, the Bible is amazing. And so inner taught me from a really young age, how to read the Bible, how to understand the Bible, how to interact with the Bible as a living word of God. And not simply as something to try to master, but something that I immerse myself in like a scuba diver and you just like explore. And so that has, that has radically changed my life. And I know, um, that as I went to seminary, I'm with all of these pastors who have been pastors for years, some of them who, when you take those first classes, um, where you're starting to understand just like an introductory level of, um, you know, the Bible is Christian scripture or any kind of introductory theology classes. Um, anything like that, they, they start to try to teach you (laughs) how to, how to interact with the word of God in a way that is uh, holistic, um, on all of its, all of its terms, not your terms. And there are pastors who just couldn't do it. They just Mm -hmm. couldn't do it. You know, they couldn't just let the text be. And of course, none of us can do that perfectly. But their brains were so well worn to immediately interpret meaning into everything that they had that they just couldn't stop that process in their heads. And I thought, oh man, I'm so thankful for university. <laughs> you know, like it has just been such a blessing. Um, and so, and also, I will say, as far as being a woman in ministry, university uh, was a place that when I was in college, I. I had that call at Urbana, you know, and I had already been in ministry and in university, And after that, just so much more. And like, we did whatever we wanted in ministry. So like, I remember like, if you want to start a group, start a group. You want to teach a class, teach a class. Do you want to do a training? Sure. Do you want to do this? Hey, this new thing is happening on campus. Do you want to do this while we're there? Yes. Okay. Like you can do anything you want. And so I, my first experiences with really diving into like intensive full life ministry was through IV on campus. And so it was just a free for all. And it was amazing. So people like me who are just, you know, my husband and I, we like, we're like, let's start a prayer group, uh, praying for the persecuted church. And we had a prayer group, you know, that would meet, I would lead it. We had like 16 people weekly showing up for a 10 o'clock prayer group at, my husband's, well, my, my husband at the time, <laughs> but at Jim's dorm room. So it was like 16 people in a dorm room praying for persecuted nations. You know, like you could do whatever you wanted. <laughs> and we um, just like had such a blast. And then you graduate from college and you go into like the church <laughs> and it's this rude awakening where, oh, people are not game for you to just like creatively do
0: hmm
1: whatever you want anymore. Like, Oh, there are some boxes, not, not only just speaking about gender, like as, as a woman, there are some boxes that I was expected to be in, but also just ministry life in the way of Jesus, you know, like creatively engaging with the kingdom of God. These are not things that are that typically understood by basic church culture. In America. And so University had was this like amazing experience, just like full life immersion in Jesus. Anything you feel an impulse to do, go do it. Um, and then you get into the church and it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, like okay, so I go to Sunday school and I have this cool idea for this thing we can do, and everyone's like, What? <laughs> You know, and so you realize what a concentrated time that is with people who truly understand the real Jesus, people who are interacting with the real Jesus, people who are, uh, who who are allowing God to orient their life around the impulses of the Spirit and what God is doing right now in this moment. Um, you're surrounded by people like that, you know, and then when you go out into the world it is a different story for a lot of us. And it was for me too. I remember after graduating from college and, um, we had kids and we were kind of like jammed into that cookie cutter way of how it should be for us and mm-hmm, like a mm-hmm. conservative evangelical church and all of that. And I remember it was just so unattractive for me. <laughs> to be in church ministry because I, I knew what it was to be free. And then I knew what it was to be in an environment where everything was sort of pre set for me Mm -hmm. and everything creative was such a struggle. Um, And so I really had a hard time with that. And I ended up, I, I would definitely have said I would never want to work for a church. I was really involved with a nonprofit And so I, um, I never, never, never would have wanted to work for a church, but we ended up helping plant a church that I eventually worked at. Um, (laughs) and now we've planted this one. And so I have just had to really, I guess, come to terms with, um, you know, all of that stuff that got put on me, um, and, being able to kind of dismantle some of the stuff that had been thrown at me as a young adult after graduating um, and just enjoy living that way that university taught me to, again, Mm. to live that way of like, oh, you want to start a tutoring program? Let's do it. What do we need? Some kids that need to be tutored? Okay, (laughs) let's do it. We'll figure it out, you know? Um, And so that is really the lifestyle that we live now here in the middle of Des Moines is just that, like, oh, this really seems like something we should pursue. Okay, let's do this. And of course you gotta be responsible and like pay your bills and stuff like that. Yeah. But that ability to just say, hey, let's make this. Let's do this. Let's have this happen. Um, it's such a joy. And it's something that I think a lot of people in the church are missing out on. And it makes them think that that the church isn't for them.
0: Mm.
1: <laughs> But really what's not for them is just that like um, really rigid structure Uh, and, and Jesus is for them. And if they were to meet the real Jesus and understand what it means to walk and talk in relationship with him every day, along with other people, they would feel very differently about the church. And so I suppose it's kind of a a full circle thing for me. Like if my life is oriented around helping, helping people, Understand a walking and talking relationship with the real Jesus. That Jesus is a real man who's alive that you can talk to. <laughs> a lot of church people don't know that, um, even whether they're saved or not. Um, so, I mean, those are things I learned in university that I've really been able to full circle come back to and just invite other people into it. So I'm super grateful. I uh, if you ever need a cheerleader. I am here
0: (laughs) so far. You've been doing a great job. I'll say that this is, this is, this has been great. And I just, I I love how it was like the, the word that you kept using was freedom. Right, uh-huh. is that there was this freedom to worship and this freedom to explore who God made you to be, and a, a freedom to, to lead and a freedom to try stuff out and a freedom to make mistakes yeah. and those sorts of things. That stuff happened in university, and then you you graduated, and you're now in a place where because you're planting a church and you're leading a church, you get to actually like change church culture. So yes. or create church culture so that that freedom that you learned in college through university is something that you can then um, that leads to a, a more vibrant church, a more creative church, hopefully a healthier church and, and, and all these different these different things. So it is it's like that whole life discipleship sort of thing. You're like the, that time in university, wasn't just, well, I got you know three years here and I'm going to make the most of it, but it's like, <laughs> I've got three years to be shaped. It's actually going to change the trajectory of mm-hmm. the rest of my life and how I interact with the Bible and how I interact with other people and how I even interact with, with church and what is church, right? Not just the Sunday service, mm-hmm. but the whole thing There's so much, so much good stuff in there. Um, You know, I, the, the question that I always like to um, ask next is what do you, how are you seeing God move in your neck of the woods or your corner of the campus? Mm-hmm. And and I mean, you've already shared so much about planting a church and all the other things you're doing, but is there anything else you want to share about like how okay. God, how you, how you've been seeing God move in in your neck of the woods?
1: So this week, so I I live just a couple of blocks away from the Drake campus. And so, you know, just yesterday I was driving by, and everybody's moving in, and you've got all the parents like double parking, and you know everybody's, you know, trying to get moved in and get all their stuff in, and it's just like oppressively hot here in Des Moines right now. <laughs> it's like it is hot. Yeah. Outside.
0: Same. Same and, in <laughs> Omaha right now. It's rough. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and so, anyway, you're looking. I'm like I. I ended up I'm not I'm not joking. I think I deliberately drove by the campus an extra like four times in the last two days just to get to be closer again. So, um I like I the first time I drove by and realized it was move-in day, it was the first move-in day, I just like my heart just blew out of my chest. <laughs> <laughs> into those dorms like it's just like that thing that you'll never get over it's just like oh I love all of you so much and you know I'm just like like hands pressed on the glass looking in like I wish I could go in there with you too <laughs> so like um, but anyway, just like watching everybody move in, watching, um, you know, these families come and they're dropping their kids off and it's like, and it's not just a normal year, right? Because last year was terrible mm-hmm. and nobody really knows what's coming this year. And everybody just desperately wants a normal year of college, like just the normal things. Right. And I know that feeling too. Like I have, five kids and four of them are teenagers. I have a senior and a junior and a sophomore and an eighth grader, um, who, uh, and then I have a 12 year old too, but, but the junior high and high school kids, they've all kind of been getting ready to go back to school this week, and Everybody has that like high stakes feeling of like, please let this year be,
0: Good, <laughs> right? yeah,
1: yeah, and and that's on top of everything else that you experience in college, which is such a highly concentrated, difficult, amazing, incredible time, right? And so as I'm watching these kids move in, um, I'm anyone listening who's like in college, and I'm calling you a kid. I'm sorry, I'm about to turn forty, so <laughs> and I have an eighteen-year-old, so in my brain you're all my kids, but um, you know, like. Watching them all move in. I'm just out of words, but just this feeling of intense love for every mm-hmm. one of those students. And I pray for them every day. So the students in the campuses that are in our region, like I pray for them every morning is one of the first things that I do. And it's just this intense love that I have for them and knowing that they have oh goodness, like a million, a million things. (laughs) And so when I'm thinking about what God is doing in our corner, our neck of the woods, um, I just see this intense sense that God is with them, whether they know it or not, and that he loves them intensely. And that as they're like just swimming around in this like, Sweaty, confusing, frustrating, you know, week of trying to get themselves moved in and get everything that they need. And then all the COVID stuff on top of it. Just like God is here. And there's just so much anticipation about what will happen in every one of their lives this year and they don't even know what's coming, you know, but God is with them. And I love knowing that there are people on campus. Like, like I said, I'm like, I'm like looking in the store window with my hands pressed on the glass. Like I gotta, I gotta do other things or I would be on that campus too. Right. (laughs) But like, I love knowing that there are people on that campus whose one intent is to follow Jesus with everything that they have. And that that means that they are going to intersect with these people who for one reason or another are seeking him, mm-hmm. who want to know him, um, that, that God is doing things. And so I am watching from the outside, but I know that there are already things happening, you know? And so it's just an exciting thing to get to see. Um, I, I, can't imagine how it would feel to feel this way and not know for sure that there are people on campus Mm. whose one job is to love (laughs) in the name of Jesus. Right. So that's just an incredible, incredible thing to know. So I'm incredibly grateful for all of the, like, you know, because we, as church planners, um, and I'm familiar with the life of an university staff. I understand how difficult all of your lives have been this last year too, right? And so um, to know how hard it's been for all of you, but to know the medicine is just to get back on campus Mm -hmm. and get to love these people. Um, And I have to assume that as you do that for these students, that God is also providing that for you. And so it is just a good thing to know. Nobody's it's not on anybody's shoulders, but God's like that's incredible. So anyway, Diane, I'm so excited for the school year to start.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I live, like I
1: said, I live really close to campus. So I often will walk my dog. Legit, this is like I will often walk my dog on campus. Um Because I just want to be close to college students and have them come talk to me and pet my dog. (laughs) (laughs) Can I admit that?
0: That No judgment here. No judgment (laughs) here. I
1: I will often just go and I'll be like, you know, people will come up and be all like apologetic. Like, can I pet your dog? And I'm like, yes, you can. I just want to be in proximity to college students. That's all.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Dogs, dogs and babies. Dog college students love dogs and babies absolutely. Uh, yes,
1: Drake is a very dog positive campus. <laughs>
0: that's, that's that's wonderful, Megan. It was so good to 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 meet you and to hear about your story and the wonderful things that God is doing uh, through you and the ways that university was able to kind of influence you in 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 some small way. Um, Are there ways that our listeners can be praying for you can be praying for table church can be praying for the rise up academy I think it was what that was called. what are ways that we can be praying for you.
1: Yeah, goodness. So for sure, Rise Up. So we have an incredible opportunity in the community with Rise Up. So again, the website is riseupdsm.org. If you live in the area or you know somebody that does, please give them that address because all the information that you need is there to learn about becoming a tutor. Um, But we have been able to just kind of really get in over our heads with the Edmonds elementary community. And so that has been an amazing thing. We've gotten to partner with them to give every student a new backpack and wow. provide school supplies for all of the teachers and things like that. Um, it's one of the least resource schools in, the Des Moines Metro. And so this is a school that has high needs and we live right across the street. So it is absolutely incredible to get to be so partnered with them. So praying for that, praying for, um, a lot of our kids are, um, the children of immigrants or refugees. Mm. Um, and a lot of them, um, speak Swahili, which is awesome because there's a guy on staff with us, Moses Bommet, our local missions director, who uh, is from Kenya and he speaks Swahili. So it's been like a perfect
0: that's great. situation. That's great. It's like so Jesus think, uh, knew, right?
1: Yes. 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 <laughs> and so it's, um, you know, like that's amazing. Like they found us on an Instagram post and now here we are with the tutoring. You know, program that's incredible. But anyway, so, you know, that means that we haven't, we have uh, an opportunity with the families of these kids. So we're tutoring these elementary age kids, but a lot of them live the lives of an adult. You know, they're taking care of siblings. um, And also, their parents don't usually speak English. And so we're able to, be a bridge for them as they are just working through life. And so that's an incredible opportunity. So that's a huge moment of prayer. And then also for us as a church community, um, we really are people from all over the Metro. So we, we meet on Sunday mornings at the Des Moines playhouse. So kind of right in the middle of the city. Um, but we have so many people in our church who um, no surprise, right? Like if you start a new church, you're going to first have a lot of people coming to join the mission from another church. (laughs) 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 So, And a lot of times wouldn't we love it if it was just people who were like, I feel really called to come and do this with you, but it's, Often there are people who are like, I've never felt quite right about this with the community that we were in. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if this community is something that, you know, whatever. And so we are really pastoring a lot of people with a lot of church hurt, Mm -hmm. a lot of church hurt. And so um, we spend a lot of time, like if you're listening to like the rise and fall of Marcel, Yeah. Yeah. Podcast right now to get meta. Let's talk about another podcast in this podcast. Um, But anyway, those issues that that brings up, for example, that is the water we have been swimming in Mm -hmm. as a church for the last couple of years, not our church specifically, but the people who are coming in are wading through all of those types of issues. And so we, we do a lot of that. So praying for the people of our church who need, who need the freedom to be able to breathe, to be able to see and hear clearly the real Jesus and to be able to identify and, um, you know, step away from the parts of their faith life that were bringing, uh, more death than life to them and other people. (laughs) So, um, anyway, I guess that would be like a huge prayer request is just, we have always said that we want to be just like a ridiculously healthy community here in Des Moines. Like we want to be ridiculously healthy as a church, like so healthy that people from the outside look at us and are like, what the heck? Is yeah. that? <laughs> you know, like yes. we just want to be ridiculously healthy so that it's just like, what in the world? Like nobody can figure it out. Um, that's what we want to just be alive, healthy. And also I've always said, we want, we want to be a ridiculously healthy church. And Phil has always said, uh, we want to do ridiculous amounts of good. Mm. And so, you know, we want to just abandon ourselves to just doing ridiculous amounts of good here in Des Moines. Um, And so prayers to that end, that we could not just survive or get through this tumultuous time in culture, um, but actually thrive as something ridiculously healthy, (laughs) with good roots in this community would be an incredible thing so that's a huge request too just we want to be really healthy and we want to stick around so
0: that sounds that sounds good to me (laughs) (laughs) we'll just Yeah, we'll just start there. Uh, So Megan, again, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for all that you're doing for the city of Des Moines. Thank you for the way that you continue to love college students, even not, you're not on staff, but you still love college students. And so it was a pleasure (laughs) to meet you. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And again, thanks for uh, all the ways that you are continuing to do kingdom work. Thanks. That's it for this episode of Story Central. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and rate and share us so others can find our podcast. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us directly at story.centralregion at gmail.com. You can also partner with us financially by going to www.givetoiv.org and search for Central Region. This podcast was produced by Julia Flaherty. I'm Adam Leong, and as always, have an excellent day.